And I think when you frame the $750 medical procedure as a kind of a hedge Correct. against a $250,000 expense, it starts to feel more like an investment and not some attack on your manhood or philosophy around children in general. It's just right. kind of like, this feels like some, it feels like term life it's insurance. A, like it feels like a, a no brainer. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I'm going to ruin this, but like, it's no different than you being willing to invest in like an alarm system in your home yeah. or, you know, some add on in your yard just to make sure that you don't have the likelihood of some mm-hmm. issue downstream. Right. So to your point, that's really, I think the way from a financial perspective. Welcome to the Rich and Regular podcast presented by Success, where we explore life at the intersection of money. I'm Kirsten. And I'm Julian. And today's episode is about my experience getting a vasectomy. All right. Getting personal. Nice, light, and fun time. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, um, there's a lot to cover on this one. And we Um, weren't originally planning on recording this. We had a different episode for y'all next week or this week. It was going to be about the recession, but then, you know. Yeah, I've got like two to three other episodes, uh, you know, in my mind around what we want to talk about just based on topics that are, you know, on our minds or conversations that we've had with people. But we did have this experience in our personal lives and I posted about it on social media and it got such a a incredible (laughs) response. I was like, you know what, maybe we should talk about this because there is a financial implication. So at the time, my thoughts in the caption of the post on Instagram, if you follow us there, I sort of wrapped up my rationale around three key points. The first one being we're one and done, right? We've had one child. We're good with that. Our son has plenty of cousins here Mm -hmm. in Atlanta, cousins in Texas, New York, you know, you name it all around the country uh, that he can play with. (laughs) We do not have to have another child in order for him to, you know, uh, feel like he's got someone to play with or for us to feel complete in any way. Like we feel really great uh, with just having one child. The second one, was also just recognizing the the limited set of options that were available to us now that Roe v. Wade was overturned mm-hmm. uh, earlier this summer. And so if we were to think about that happening, obviously, you know, there used to be a number of options, many of which fell on the backs of the woman. And now that that is not an option, I felt like this is something that I should do, not even just from a standpoint of solidarity with women's rights, but more so just from a standpoint of like, well, this is what I think is best for our family. And then the last one is really something that is, is something that I've struggled with for a really long period of time, but it's really about the idea of role modeling. And when we think about role modeling from a standpoint of money and personal finance and, and masculinity or, or male image and all of those things, it's something that I have really been paying attention to quite honestly for like the last two decades. And I recognize the role that I play in a lot of men's lives. And I felt no need to like isolate sort of the role that I play as a mentor or leader in this regard. It was like, all right, well, this is an issue over here. If I have somehow found the courage, which again, I don't even think this is something that requires courage, just being honest. But I know that a lot of men see it that way. And so I felt like, all right, this is something that I want to help normalize, Mm -hmm. talk about, maybe bust a couple of myths, but also help people 
just kind of add it to the consideration set, just like everything else. Yeah. Right? Like, I don't care what you do with your money, quite honestly, but I do want to make sure and I do have some sense of responsibility around saying, hey, well, these are some options for you, mm-hmm. right? You don't have to do it, but I do want to make sure that you guys know that it's available. So, yeah. Yeah. I, um, I remember when you told me you were posting on Instagram and I was like, what? <laughs> like, why would you do that? And then about five minutes into writing the caption, you were like, should we do a podcast on this? And I was like, yeah. absolutely not. And then I saw all of the reactions and I was like, okay, maybe you're onto something. We, like, maybe we, we should. To. Yeah, we should. We, yeah, we have to. I was definitely surprised at quite a bit of the experience, which is why I think it's good that we're talking about it. The first surprise or insight was just how you were a little shell shocked <laughs> after the procedure. Yeah. And like you were like immediately regretting it just after. And I realized that there is just a vast difference between the healthcare routines that men have versus women. Girls start seeing OBGYNs and specialized care doctors as early as 13, sometimes even earlier. So we're kind of used to being poked and prodded. But after you came home, I realized there really isn't a male equivalent until you're much older. And I can imagine how foreign the experience was for you, which is why you were kind of shell-shocked. That was a part of it. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Well, we'll get to the details in just a minute. (laughs) But to your point, I was also surprised about uh, how many people thought you were a hero or brave for sharing your story. I I just feel like women talk about birth control all the time with very little fanfare. So again, it's important that we start to normalize these conversations with men, among men, and women to talk about the options that everybody has available to them. And then generally speaking, after having talked to you for the last couple of days, I was really surprised about how little information there was out there for men who may be interested, which I'm sure we'll get into. I will offer a little bit of a disclaimer. I don't know where this conversation is going to (laughs) go. And so if there are some kids uh, listening and you would prefer that they don't hear some of the terms that you suspect may come out of this conversation, (laughs) then now's a pretty good time to press pause and uh, maybe put on something. Put your headphones in. If you at work. Playing this in your yeah, this is not one you want to put out uh, on the on the big speaker, (laughs) you know. So go ahead and pop in an AirPod or put on some headphones. Um, But I do want to. I also think you know it's important again if I want to be relatable is to be as natural as possible. So if it sounds like I'm being a little crass, then it is what it is. But that's how I felt or am describing uh, the experience or anything related to it. So yeah, yeah. All right, so. This podcast is going to be a little bit different because this is Julian's story. As much as I think I can talk for him in this situation, I cannot. So he'll be doing the the bulk of the talking. I'll ask a couple of questions here and there. And of course, you will hear me chime in to add in financial layers or any other insights. But I think we should start at the top. You kind of explain this a little bit. But why did you ultimately choose to get a vasectomy? Yeah. So there were a couple of things that I had mentioned to your point where like we're team one and done, like we're good with that. But I think even when I just think about our lifestyle and where things are going and the trajectory of our business and our platform and how things are, are moving, like I understood that if we, if we had another child, it would really derail. Yeah. A, a lot of things like it, it's not to say that like things would completely fall apart right but it would certainly disrupt. affect disrupt is probably a good way of describing it it would disrupt everything that we have going on right now and i like 
the way things are. I like mm-hmm. the momentum. I like the potential. I like even the tension. Like I like mm-hmm. our home set up, like mm-hmm. I, all of it. I kind of like where it is right now. And if that were the case, if we had an unexpected pregnancy, like we'd have to be looking for daycare right mm-hmm. now, which literally we just celebrated not mm-hmm. having to pay or cut that check anymore. And so it's like, wow, like I, I it just popped in my head. I was like, wow, like, but that could happen, right? Yeah. Like we're sitting here, you know, playing with fire, <laughs> you know, that could happen, <laughs> right? Like it is a possibility. And so it, it's something to think about. Um, but again, it's not even just a daycare. It's, it's food. It's like insurance. It's yeah. flights. Like yeah. it's all, it, literally. Care. And I'm just thinking about like just Haircuts. in the last couple of months, like mm-hmm. the, the amount of big ticket items or big bills that mm-hmm. have come through because we have a third person that mm-hmm. we have to take care of. And I was like, wow, we had another. Like that could be really, really expensive. And it would force us to make some decisions that I don't really want to make right now. Yeah. Um, or really ever <laughs> for that matter. Yeah. And so that was really like the the leading indicator. It was really a matter of like protecting what we've built um, and kind of honoring what we've built and saying, yeah. all right, I think we're good and let's kind of stay where we are. Yeah. I remember I used to want five kids, <laughs> all boys, yeah, no. stair-stepped in ages. Like I just wanted a little basketball team. <laughs> and this was a long time ago, but I guess I just thought I would be pregnant or trying to get pregnant for like 10 years and live happily ever after. When was this? <laughs> this was before I met you. <laughs> yeah. This was, this was a while ago. Okay. But I started leaning towards being one and done after we had our son because motherhood, especially in those early days, was really, really hard for me. And as he's been getting older, it's been even harder for me to imagine starting over. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I just know how my brain works. And for my own mental health, I knew and still know that one is enough, right? So I do appreciate you kind of sharing that burden because typically men kind of stop at condoms. Like they'll put on a condom, maybe, but that's really where they stop or use some other creative method that I, you know, won't go into (laughs) on the podcast. But women. I told y'all to tell the kids to get out the room. (laughs) Yeah. This is a second reminder. Tell the kids. Creative methods. Go outside and play. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But typically, Women or people with uteruses are responsible for not only tracking our cycles, but possibly taking some sort of hormonal birth control. And if you have a nervous system like mine, that throws a bunch of stuff off. So you may not choose that option. And ultimately, we're the ones who get pregnant. And so a lot of people probably really want to know about the experience. So can you, I'm hesitant to say, paint the picture because you tend to get Real graphic, but if you can just kind of <laughs> paint the picture of what the experience was like, I might chime in with a couple of questions. So give uh, people a sneak peek. I, I feel peek. dirty and immature right now. I was like, <laughs> all right, from soup to nuts. And I was like, no, I don't want to say that. Uh, from beginning to end. I was like, I don't Ruta know that's an end from Ruta to Tuta. Um, no, listen, the, the process, I, I'll, I'll, I'll go even before the procedure, right? So it's a pretty straightforward process. I, I searched online for a facility and I found one that was nearby, had a good reputation. They had an online form that you basically fill out uh, and you need to submit 
uh, it was interesting because typically when I would fill out forms for like any other doctor appointment, it's like you get there and they still want you to fill out more forms. Mm-hmm. This really wasn't the case. It was pretty much like they front loaded all of that stuff. So by the time I got there, it was really just a matter of providing um, proof of payment for the second half. Um, and uh, that was pretty much it. Um, so let's start there. So in total, the cost was $750 out of pocket. Mm-hmm. And in terms of finding available dates, it took probably about a few weeks. Yeah. I actually thought it was going to be quicker, but uh, from the day that I initial, initially started the search, it took a few weeks before it became available. But pretty much I submitted all my forms. You get the reminder that says, hey, you're still on for the day of your procedure. Um, the morning off, or I think like the day before I get the email, that's when it started giving you a little bit more clarity. So I was like, all right, if your procedure is in the morning, you want to skip breakfast. Mm-hmm. If your procedure is in the evening, you want to skip lunch. Like I was like, all right, well, this is getting real. <laughs> like I was like, oh, I can't eat breakfast. Okay. <laughs> but when I got there, like I said, I checked in, I paid, uh, they called me back. First thing they had me do was empty my bladder mm-hmm. and I went and sat in the room. I will say this, when I got into the room, my mind, and I don't know if it was just nerves, my mind immediately went to that scene and get out because it was like a monitor in the room. Oh. And I was like, oh, there's a dude that's about to start talking <laughs> to me. And that's exactly what happened. Like it was the doctor who was like, hi, my name is. And I was like, oh, no. I was like, like a I, pre-recorded thing it was or a like a pre-recorded oh, video. Okay. Where and it felt like they were just like trying to calm your nerves, yeah. Um, but also making sure that they checked like the box with any like legal procedures yeah. and that sort of thing. So it was like a running list of disclaimers, but they were like trying to give you an idea of what you can expect, how long it'll take, you know, what the healing process would look like, and. You know, there's probably some soft, comfortable music playing in the background. <laughs> like it was just like pretty, it was pretty weird. And then after that, a nurse comes in, takes your blood pressure, asks you a few more confirming questions just to like make sure you are who you say you are. Um, again, it just felt like a lot of like legal hoopla. Mm-hmm. Then they tell you to take off your clothes from the bottom half down, mm-hmm. lay the little white paper blanket kind mm-hmm. of thing over you. Uh, and then a doctor comes in, walks you through it again. Like, here's what's going to happen. Um, I'm the guy that you just saw on the monitor. And then from there, it's like 15 to 20 minutes. Um, you lean back 15 to 20 minutes. He did turn on some music, which I did appreciate. It was like <laughs> what some kind classic. of music? Um, it was like 80 soft rock. Oh, I wonder if that was for him or for you. I don't know. Um, <laughs> it's I'm cool either way. It was like, whatever keeps you Keep them hands calm steady. <laughs> is fine with me. You know, you don't want to hear like DMX coming out of you. The speakers. That's a lot. But yeah, it's like 15 to 20 minutes. Uh, they do spray. Um, it felt like a giant spritz of. Like, oh, yeah. Like a local numb, numbing spray. No, not that. It almost felt like, you know, like when you go before they give you a shot, they rub like alcohol or something. Oh, yeah. It kind of felt like there was a little bit of that. Mm-hmm. It, again, I'm, I'm not telling you what I saw because my eyes were closed. <laughs> I was looking at the ceiling. I was like, oh, God, I don't know what's happening. But I just felt this. Sh- and it was just like a giant spritz okay. of like some some of that stuff. And then they apply the local uh, anesthesia. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, again, they do not put you to sleep because I did get that question. It was like, no, I was awake. Mm-hmm. They put you to sleep, but they put like the sort of numbing thing down there. Um, and then they this is, by the way, the no scalpel vasectomy. Right. And then I will say I did feel like like a puncture, mm-hmm. um, which like a pinch or a puncture. Definitely a puncture, <laughs> not a pinch, because it was, 
You can feel the okay. breaking of skin. And at that point, I, I, you know, he asked to kind of check and was like, Hey, how are you feeling? I was like, you know, I, I feel like I'm feeling more than you should than be. I should be feeling. And so he came in and gave me another round. And after that, it really another I, round of anesthesia, another round of anesthesia. Yeah. And then he was like, all right, sorry about, sorry about that. <laughs> like, you know, my bad, my bro. Bad. <laughs> um, and then he, um, pretty much did what he, I, again, I don't know what he did. Yeah. I, I, I wasn't looking. Um, but yeah, a lot of sort of like pressure, like it kind of felt like, like, I will say this, there was like some manhandling. Yeah. And that term like has new meaning, even as I'm saying it right now, yeah. but like there was like a lot of like tugging and like pulling and like adjusting and moving. Like I, I yeah. presume he needed to get to something underneath. And so there was almost like, I've got to do these things to sort of make these things more visible. So my mind immediately goes to when you're giving blood and they like slap your hand a little mm-hmm, bit to, try to, to make the vein pop yeah. up. He wasn't slapping, but there was like yeah. definitely some some movement or something. It felt like yeah. in order to ensure that they were sort of, you know, doing things as as it needed to be. Was that the most unpleasant part? Was the tugging? Mm, no, the most unpleasant part was the the puncture prior mm. to the second anest- uh, anesthesia. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. So that was yeah that was that was uncomfortable. But again, that's that is just like a shot, right? It's just yeah. like the first shot. It's like, but once it's in there, you don't really feel it. Um, and then pretty much that was it. Like it felt like, and, and this is me just sort of responding to what I was hearing. It felt like there was like the tying of things because I can, I know what like rubber sounds like, like a rubber glove. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I remember hearing a little bit of that. Um, but like it felt like maybe around fifteen minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that was it. He was like, "All right, you did great. Everything went according to plan." Um, I will say I felt, and <laughs> it was a little tear. There was a little tear in my eye and it was only because of like, there was a, there was a tiny puncture, uh, that just kind of felt like, well, I don't know if they went left or right of <laughs> wherever the anesthesia was yeah. like localized, but I definitely felt something and it was like enough to, but not enough for me to like scream out loud yeah. or anything like that. But it was like, Ooh, yo, like that does not feel pleasant. Yeah. Um, but pretty much that was it. Like it was, you know, I stopped just shy of calling it painful. Yeah. Because I reserve the word pain. I've never broken a bone, but it's almost like, yeah, like I would say like breaking a bone is probably what I imagine pain. If you like, this was more like, like, like just, just discomfort and uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I actually got a couple of DMs about your experience from a couple of curious spouses because a lot of people think that you're pretty immobile afterwards or it's that this super invasive procedure but it sounds like it's outpatient and the whole thing from paperwork to the actual puncture (laughs) from Mm. paperwork to puncture can be done in under an hour I think your appointment was at one o'clock and you were calling me by 140 to come pick you up like I had to cut my target run short because it was just that quick I was actually a little bit upset about that because you had one job I know, but I I, I needed to make a return. So, and Target was right next door. So I just felt like I had time to go and browse. Okay. Anyway, before we get into the financials, let's talk a little bit about the recovery. What have the last few days been like? 
Uh, the worst part was probably the first two hours afterwards, just because like there was no like it's not like I took pain meds or anything like that. So I really needed to go get some ibuprofen, which is what they recommended over Tylenol. Um, and once that settled in, I was fine. I think the combination of that plus the fact that I hadn't eaten all day, I was just like I got manhandled. I was like, right, I'm not in a great mood. Um, but like you can walk regularly mm-hmm. like you know it was fine i went upstairs i think this, my body immediately started like sending all the energy towards like the wounded area mm-hmm. and so i felt a little fatigued and um napped a little bit but for the most part i was fine um i will say uh there is a feeling as as a man that you get like whenever you're like kicked in the nuts like there was a little bit of that kind of like not like the initial feeling of getting kicked in the nuts is pain. That's pain. Yeah. Um. In that's pain. You heard my my, my voice. <laughs> yeah. It's like <laughs> you were pain. imagining. Ugh, it's pain. <laughs> that's pain. Um. Mixed with like uh queasiness. Yeah. It like goes I to your abdomen. It, it, yeah. It feels yeah. like it's like stirring up in your stomach. Mm-hmm. Uh. I didn't have the pain part, but I had. I would say about like you know. I'll put a number on it, like maybe 10 to 20 percent of that queasiness. So uh-huh. it's like sensitive and like some soreness. But I didn't have any swelling. I didn't have because, yeah. again, I can I can imagine like that might be scary to see swelling yeah. down there. I did uh-huh. not experience that. But they said that that was a risk. Um, but, yeah, that the, the worst part was the first few hours. Day two, um, I was still a little fatigued. I think a lot of that is on me because I was actually feeling better. And, uh, I, I did more than I did the day before, even though I still didn't really do that much, but it was enough for my body to be like, no, bro, you need to go. Yeah, go sit down. What did, what did the doctor say? Um, and I, and I'm lucky I had a friend of mine who told me like, Hey, you should prepare for that. Even though I was halfway through the day when he told me, he was like, yeah, if you feel better, you should probably still just chill. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so if you're listening, like just chill, yeah. watch more. Don't movies. be fooled by like, the day two feeling so oh, much better. I'm better. Than day one. I mean, I, you yeah. know, cause I was literally going to go grill something yesterday. Yeah. And I was right. like, yeah, probably not. You don't don't chill, do but damn. Uh, and then today, day three, I would say, I mean, almost like yeah. nothing, right? Like I feel fine. There was, slight, 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 slight discomfort, which made me cautious oh. because of my experience on day two. But by the middle of the day, I was pretty much fine. So um, I would say recovery. I, mean, I, don't, I, would, I don't even know that I would call that recovery, but like a, a day and you'll be fine. But I want to go into why we decided to do this from a financial perspective. And honestly, I don't know that I could say it any more succinctly, but like kids are expensive. Too. Mm-hmm. Kids are expensive. I remember reading they're an article. Wonderful, but they're expensive. Love my son more than anything else in the world. He's wildly expensive. Um, I remember years ago reading an article. This is long before I had a kid. And it said that it costs around $250,000. It might have been more than that to raise a child in the United States. And I remember thinking... That doesn't even make sense. Uh-huh. That's crazy. Cause like, I know, you know, granted, I wasn't like adjusting for inflation, but I was thinking about my own experience. And I was like, first of all, my mom did not have $250,000. There's no way if she did, she'd be in like $200,000 debt. Like, there's no way. Like in my mind, I was just like, that sounds crazy. But then today, as I started thinking about it, and again, super back of the napkin math, I was like, all right, just daycare alone. Um, 
$1,500 a month, right? So $18,000 a year. By the way, that $1,500 a month is like right on par with the national average, mm-hmm. right? So we live in Atlanta. That's still pretty pricey for Atlanta because we send them or used to send them to a fancy schmancy um, daycare. But like that's the national average, right? Once you factor in sort of cost of living in other states and cities. Food and groceries, I'd estimate at, at least, and I feel like I'm lowballing here, but like this is at least $2,500 a year. That's, that sounds super low. Yeah, it's really low because okay. lunch at school is little over three dollars a day and breakfast if you were okay. to eat there would be like a dollar 75 we save because he eats at home but right just i was thinking about it in terms of our monthly grocery bill and the amount that i might attribute to him but you're right it's not just that it's food and groceries at home it's snacks. lunch at school it's snacks it's restaurants when he comes out mm-hmm. to eat with us it's all of that stuff clothes you buy pretty much all of his clothes i'd estimate at least a thousand dollars yeah that's probably even small, but I, it's right because okay. it's because he's small and he don't know brand names. I can right. shop straight from the clearance rack and right. he's fine. I imagine that increases as he gets more opinionated yeah. <laughs> about what he wears. It's health insurance, premiums, yeah. supplemental care, easily $5,000 a year. Uh, and then we talk about entertainment again, like not just his entertainment, um, but like things that we have like uh, or that we bring him along with, right? So from like outings and food and heck, he goes on vacation with us. Like, you know, like it's easily another $4,000. So when you add up all that stuff, like just like in the last year or thinking about the last few years, that's like $30,000 a year. Like it's a lot mm-hmm. of money. And obviously, obviously, y'all, we could make different choices and we know that now he goes to a public school and so we won't have the burden of daycare. But like a lot of that is just going to get replaced by like outings and some of the other stuff. It's not going to be as expensive as what we were paying at daycare. But the point is, it's still expensive. And when I think about that number on an annual basis relative to that stat that I had on my head, I was like, actually, that's that's pretty that's pretty accurate. Mm-hmm. Right. And that also doesn't even consider it doesn't even include custodial accounts, like income that we get that we pay to him or put into a custodial account for him, which is invested or 529 contributions for his future educational needs. Like it's a lot of money, right? So like, again, I know the parents out there who are tracking this stuff already know, but if you are just thinking about having the kids and you have not like done the math, like you should, like just yeah. that back of the napkin math is real. So if you hear that number and you were like me and you're thinking like, oh my gosh, like that's, that's crazy. That's just what bougie people spend on a kid. I was like, yeah, you could do it for less. You can. You can. With, but with the help of a lot of people, it would be hard to do it alone. Correct. For less, right? But if you have active, energetic grandparents, you've got a village, you live in a cul-de-sac with other moms who, who you can share supplies mm-hmm. and carpool and do all that stuff, you you can definitely get away with, sure. with doing it for less, but it is still very expensive. And I think when you frame the $750 medical procedure as a kind of a hedge against a $250,000 expense, it starts to feel more like an investment and not some attack on your manhood or philosophy around children in general. It's just kind of like, this feels like some, it feels like term life insurance. Like it feels like a, a no-brainer. It, yeah, I mean, honestly, I'm going to ruin this, but like it's no different than you being willing to invest in like an alarm system in your home yeah. or, you know, some add-on in your yard just to make sure that you don't 
have the likelihood of some mm-hmm. issue downstream, right? So to your point, that's really, I think, the way from a financial perspective, people should be thinking about it. Yeah. The other thing we can't really ignore is just the number of people that we know personally whose financial plans, retirement, oh, man. all sorts of things are just thrown off because they had an unexpected pregnancy. Yeah. I don't think anybody regrets their children to the extent that they, you know, wish they weren't there, but it certainly leads people to reevaluate their career paths, potentially go back to school in the hopes that they can qualify for better jobs, buy new homes, larger cars, higher professional services. I mean, it's just a domino effect. It, It triggers a number of other things, right? That sort of lead to your general lifestyle becoming that much more expensive. Yeah. Right. And, and again, that's, that's after birth, right? Yeah. So even if we look at it, like just go back to birth. Yeah. And I feel like we spoke about this on, on another platform, but you know, I found an article and according to Bloomberg, the average cost of childbirth is $18,865. So let's just mm-hmm. call it $19,000. Now, obviously a lot of that uh, is going to be covered by insurance, assuming you have insurance, mm-hmm. but even at the out of pocket cost is going to be, according to the article, around $2,000. If you get a C-section, it's closer to $3,200. If there are complications, and I'm talking about minor and or major, you can forget about it. Like you're just like now, even if there aren't complications, there are bills that just show up months later for tests and medications. You guys, if you've ever had any type of medical procedure, you know that all of those things happen pretty regularly. And on top of all of that, there's increased risk for black women having children in the healthcare system. Black women today are two to three times more likely to die due to complications during birth than white women. Literally just last week, one of your cousins yeah. passed away um, after having a child. And again, yeah, I'm not really saying sad. I thought about this as we got to have a vasectomy. This is something that I'd already known. I'd heard about it. Um, we have family members, uh, who have had issues. Thankfully, they've not led to anything serious. But again, when you think about all of those things and then you think about what men can do, uh-huh. like pay $750 and pop a couple ibuprofen. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's, it's, it's a relatively small price to pay, like given the alternative and the likelihood of some of these like horrible outcomes. Yeah. And just to put it in context, all of these decisions came after we decided we were done having children. I cannot right. stress this enough. This is not like a PSA to not have children at all. Right. We are 37 going on 38, like in a couple of weeks. Happy birthday to me. Your birthday and, is coming up. <laughs> and 41. Like we're done. If you're listening to this and you're like 25 and you're <laughs> over there anxious, like you've got time to make a decision right. and you've got plenty of inputs that are different than ours that you should account for in your own life. But I do want to go back to the $750 because it's worth noting a few things. Uh, the first is that the cost of this procedure is going to vary based on where you get it, what kind you get. So there are different levels. To Julian's point, he got the, what did you call it? No scalpel. No scalpel version. But there are other versions where people can be put to sleep and, you know, just depends on what you want. And it matters whether your insurance covers it. So unlike hormonal birth control for people with uteruses, vasectomies are not federally mandated to be covered 100% by insurance companies. So with Mm. birth control, it's federally mandated that insurance companies have to cover that. With this, they don't have to. 
However, most will still cover it or at least offer some sort of partial coverage, but you'd have to ask your provider and anticipate needing to jump through some hoops, like possibly getting a referral letter or something from your primary care physician before you could just call and and schedule the procedure. Mm -hmm. Now, we decided to pay out of pocket because we have a high deductible health insurance plan which means basically we take a lower monthly premium in exchange for paying more upfront or a higher deductible before insurance kicks in for most specialized services. So things like our checkups, all that stuff is covered. But if you wanted something extra, you would have to come out of pocket significantly more before insurance kicks in. But because we're willing to have a high deductible health insurance plan, we have access to a health savings account, which is also called an HSA, which is basically a triple tax advantage account that allows us to save and invest money that can later be used on qualified health expenses. So we've had an HSA for six or seven years ish and contribute to it every month. So we have a savings account for medical expenses like this one or unexpected expenses that may come later in life. So long story short, the cost was going to come out of pocket anyway because of our insurance plan, even if we had gone through the company. So we figured why not just pay it and reimburse ourselves at a later date. So I actually looked up the average price of a vasectomy if you're not using insurance and it's right around the $1,000 mark. There's obviously a range. Some sites said up to $3,000. I'm guessing that's for like the Hashitashi version. But again, sometimes it can be completely free if you're using a program that covers it, like Medicaid or some other insurance provider. Yeah. So I didn't mention that. That's actually a really good point because uh, one of the reasons why mine was only $750 is because they offered discounts for people who were willing to come into the office on certain days. So I think they have higher demand dates. But in my case, I think if I could schedule it on a Monday or Tuesday, it it was like a hundred dollar discount. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So that was one of the interesting things. Now, along those lines, I will say, and I don't have data to support this, but I've seen enough articles about this just as I was leading into uh, having my procedure done is that like the fundamentals of supply and demand, I would imagine will also likely impact pricing for vasectomies. And so before Roe v. Wade was overturned, there uh, was not a wait list for this procedure. But since then, there have been a number of men around the country, around the world, really, that have all of a sudden felt like this is something that they should be doing. And in solidarity of women's rights. And so all of that has led to longer lines, Mm -hmm. longer periods of time in which people can actually find appointments. And so if this is going to work like anything else in this country, it is going to be sort of beholden to the laws of economics. And so when you have a lot of people who are waiting, you're oftentimes going to see uh, an impact on pricing. So it would not Mm -hmm. surprise me if that price goes up considerably over the next couple of years or if options become available for men to sort of get expedited services at a premium. Because again, more people are asking questions and that's really just how the world works, or at least here um, in America. So so yeah, we could talk about this uh, at length for a pretty long time. I feel like now's a good place to stop. Yeah. I feel like we've done a pretty good job of not going too um, too raunchy, too immature. Not too detailed. I didn't, yeah, you I didn't talk said, about the smell or nothing. Nuts. Yeah. <laughs> There is a smell which did not come from my body odor, um, but yeah, let's you know what happens when heat is applied to certain areas. So, like, 
you know, you, you, you Burning will catch flesh. a whiff of some things, which is normal. <laughs> um, but you know, that's one of the things I wish he, I said, you didn't talk about the smell well, and then you went you out triggered and triggered it. <laughs> I thought about it. I was like, you know what? There certainly was a smell, but I was going to say like, he may have mentioned that in the video, but at that point I was already yeah, in the sunken were. place. Yeah. So like, I didn't know. <laughs> What was going to happen? Um, Because I was like, why wouldn't you say that? He might have. He might have said it three times. But I wouldn't know, which is why they say it three, four times. (laughs) So all that to say, it was a, uh, it was fine. (laughs) I'm fine. And uh, hopefully if you get one, you're fine too. So hopefully this helps you to consider vasectomies again as a part of your financial plan financial plan it's certainly worthy of consideration um and final thoughts yeah so final thoughts i i think i have a couple but i'm gonna try and play it like it's one final thought final thoughts is that (laughs) we need more men to talk about this right Because when it comes to things like diversifying your portfolio or assessing a stock, dudes absolutely understand the need to control for volatility and invest based off of their risk tolerance. But when it comes to the risk of an unwanted pregnancy, Mm. it's like they lose this sense of what they can do to mitigate against it because it likely conflicts with an identity or some other, you know, psychological factor and I was honestly so pleased to see all of the confessionals in the comment section on Instagram and Facebook and this brotherhood that was forming around like, best decision ever. Yeah, I got mine in 2014. And even just like rallying around innocent questions like, hey, man, did it hurt? <laughs> like just being able to describe it and support each other was really good. So I challenge our male listeners or even our our female listeners or wherever you identify as to share this episode. If you've had one or you have one scheduled or you're thinking about one, share this episode with your homies and just use it to start the conversation. You might be surprised about what you learn. So I, I love that. And let me let me also say in a response to your final thought, um, I, I didn't receive a single private message. Really? Not one. I got it's like been three days. 15. And so as much as we are thinking that this podcast or this conversation needs to be had by men, I'm just telling you one hundred percent not a single man sent me a DM or a text. Question in fact, the only person that sent me a DM um or a text was someone who'd already had one mm-hmm. and was giving me advice on how to yeah. Make sure that I continue to rest on day two. Yeah. So I would say that there are just as many women who are unfamiliar with this process. Yeah, I got a couple asking need to wrap us their to heads around it, but uh, it's not been it's not been men. So wow. uh, to that point, my final thought is um, when we think about this podcast and what we really always wanted it to be um, and even how we describe it, it's like life at the intersection of money. And I think this is a great example of that. And when I think about what I want all of our content to do, it, it's to be memorable and to be a point of reference that moves people to take action. And I think that this is exactly the type of, of content and conversation that we want to help inspire. Um, more specifically, um, when I think about what men can do to help prevent an unwanted pregnancy, I mean, this is obviously something that needs to be a part of the conversation. But even when we think about the actual cost, and I keep saying it here in Atlanta, it was $750. If you were to ask, if you would have asked me how much I thought it would have cost, I probably would have said like closer to $2,000. Yeah. Like I would have not, I would not have had any point of reference. And so 
it's only $750. Like I know guys who squander that, you know, on toys, like nothing, <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's, it's again, it is a, a small price to pay, uh, relative to as we've gone over some of the, um, outcomes with respect to having a child or any of the complications that may exist from having a child. And so our hope is that this podcast is the fulfillment of our mission, which is to inspire better conversations about money, not just talking about money, but talking about how it sort of uh, intersects with life. And in this case, masculinity and um, vasectomies. So, <laughs> Well, thank you for listening to another episode of the Rich and Regular podcast presented by Success. We've talked a lot about vasectomies today, but right now the ball is in your court. Well played. Uh-huh. Well played. I was going like to say go nuts. There we go. Nuts. If you like what you heard, go nuts on the ratings and review page and leave us a five star rating and review. Hate to cut this short, but we will see you next week. (laughs) I don't know why. I I don't know. (laughs) See y'all next week.